be in service of others, but go in without any expectation. People will ask for things expecting something. That's where the frustration comes. That's where the impatience comes from. Being constantly giving, if I give 51% more than I take, then I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. So whether you look at that as in a day, I gave more in a day, I gave more on this podcast. If I gave more in a year, I've left what I want to leave. When you give, it does create that happiness. And when you take with or when you ask with expectation, it's not unconditional. You're wanting something for yourself. Like we talked about before, it's getting away from self, being selfless. Hi, hello, welcome. You are listening to Unfiltered Sash, and I'm your host, Sasha Andrianova. I am so excited to have you here with me today. If you're new to the podcast, this show is about helping you connect with your most authentic, embodied self through frameworks, lenses of analyses, conversations, and modalities that are here to serve you, to help you explore what might suit you best to cultivate and build a stronger relationship with yourself. Today, I'm speaking to Jess Roz, who is the founder and CEO of JR Performance. She built her brand from the ground up. And in this episode, we really dive into what building your brand looks like, what resilience looks like, the realities of being a business owner, and also tempering that with the realities of leveraging social media for success and of managing your mental health. I'm so excited to get into this conversation. Enjoy. Hi, welcome everyone. I am so excited to have Jess Roz on the line. She is founder and CEO of JR Performance, and she is a professional basketball performance coach and athlete trainer. I am so excited to dive into this conversation with her and have you all tune in to listen. Jess, would you like to say hi, introduce yourself? Yes, definitely. Thank you for having me on. First of all, I'm always humbled to be able to share my story and talk about it and kind of dive into what I do, why I do what I do and all that. So my name is Jeff Roz. Like Sasha said, I'm a basketball performance coach. I work with all levels of the basketball. So all the way up to NBA, WNBA, all the way down to the youth, every level of college. My main clientele right now is high school athletes in college. And then the goal is just to continue to elevate and make an impact when it comes to performance training, strength, conditioning, taking care of your body, mindset, all that. Wow. That is amazing. So tell me about how you came to this career path, why you love basketball and why this is the mission that you've chosen to pursue and spend your time on. Yeah. So I always say I just am trying to be who I wish I had when I was younger. I've been able to have experiences and relationships and connections to know and time to be able to see, okay, now that I'm in the place where I'm at now, but back then it's like, oh, I didn't have that or, oh, I wish I would have known this. And that's how we navigate through life, no matter what profession that you go into. But for me, I just wanted to be someone that I needed. And so what was that for me? Confidence, self-esteem, self-worth, someone to talk through it. I put my identity into basketball. I don't think that was the smartest thing because basketball for me became something that was my only means of acceptance. If I was good at basketball, then I was accepted. And you see that now, especially with social media, there's people with more followers, the people with more NIL deals now, brand sponsorships, they're liked more, or we get this perception that they're liked more, they're happier. 
for me, it was like, if I wasn't doing well at basketball, well, then my self-worth was very low. My self-esteem was very low. And so I wish I would have had someone in terms of the basketball side and the role within basketball to help guide me through that. I think I get in my own way a lot. That's been since I was in high school throughout that time. And I still get in my way. And so now being 26, 10 years out of high school, now I'm, I'm trying to help that person that's in their head and things like that. I was a D1 or die athlete. It was like division one basketball or like you. So for me, it limited me in terms of, I was very tunnel vision and I didn't know the recruiting process. I wasn't educated, nor was I necessarily empowered in the way that I feel like I needed to. I had a great life growing up. We all have our struggles. My parents always put me where I needed to be, but in terms of the education and the role model within sports. I don't think I had that. And so that's kind of where I loved fitness. I love working out. I was the first one in the gym, last one to leave type mindset. And I was in an environment where that just was like, oh, you're not cool. (laughs) You're not cool for doing that. Or like, why are you doing that? It wasn't something that people did. And so I had an incredible work ethic. I worked really, really hard. And I don't think that was always accepted from where like I was from and where I grew up. And so I always felt different. I always felt very unrelatable to people. And I didn't have skills training or performance training or like coaches and trainers like you do now. Well, I want to be that for someone and help them achieve their goals that I didn't. Now I'm here as a performance coach, just trying to now help kids struggle a little bit less with what I struggled with and help them achieve their goals, but also understand the ball is going to stop bouncing at some point. So we got to make sure that you're, you're set mentally with opportunities, you know, when it does. Wow. Thank you so much for being so honest and sharing kind of all the things that you've experienced, both from when you first started to where you are now and how you are trying to take the things you struggled with and then alchemize that into service and into giving back to the community around you. I know that you spoke a little bit about having the first one at the gym, last one to leave mentality, your work ethic as being a critical part of your driver. We can talk about the sustainability of that later, but as we first get started, that work ethic that you are indicating potentially drove you towards your love through basketball and towards your practice of the sport. Can you tell us a little bit more about that work ethic mindset, your core values there, and then how you're normalizing it being okay to work hard for something that you care about for your students? Yeah, definitely. So I feel like partly though, my work ethic came from like the driver of why I was doing it, why I was working so hard, I don't think was very healthy. So like I said, I was a D1 or diet athlete, which I knew that means, okay, you have to work hard. But it was almost to a point where it's like, I was going off a random. I'm more of a person that tell me what to do and I'll do it. I was really just guessing. That's why there's value in what I do because I'm taking the guesswork away. That's why people have trainers and coaches because they take the guesswork away and they go towards the best. But for me, it was just going off at random. And it was coming from a, a mindset of if I don't make it D1, I'm less than. I'm inferior to other people. People are going to look at me different. They're not going to think I'm good enough. I feel like that was definitely a motivator. And I think that that can be a well that you pull from. I'm trying to prove myself right, or I'm trying to prove that I can do this. But when it comes from like an unhealthy mindset, I think it's going to catch up to you at some point. So yeah, it can get you motivated temporarily and short term. But if you don't look at the long-term game of it, you're going to burn out and it's going to catch up to you. And that's what happened. 
But on the other side, I think my work ethic is why I'm, you know, where I'm at right now. I'm willing to do things that a lot of people wouldn't be willing to do. I work every single, like right now in this position, I work every single day. I'm constantly trying to better myself as a trainer, as a person, as a friend, as a girlfriend. Like there's a lot of different things that I'm trying to do. And when you don't have that ability to like separate, I think that can also affect some things too. But you have to have a work ethic. If you want anything in life, there has to be that work ethic there. But there also needs to be other things. It can't just be you work hard and you're going to get to where you want to go. The Ferrari is going to run out of gas at some point. You got to make sure that we're filling, <laughs> filling it up with gas. We're taking care of it. We're taking care of the parts and things like that. So yeah. Yeah. All so, so valuable to recognize that work ethic is important, but there's a lot of other things that are also part of the puzzle to building a sustainable life that you love and that serves you and serves others. Can you tell us a little bit about how did you change your relationship with your work ethic? Yeah, there's been like a lot of work over the last 10 years. My purpose and my passion for like why I work hard has also changed. And what I definitely want to get across is that it hasn't been the same. Like what I wanted five years ago is not the same thing that I want today. And I feel like sometimes people think, oh, that's not okay. Like I'm a failure. I wanted to be a D1 basketball player. Okay, that didn't work out. I wanted to go to the CrossFit game. That was my motivation to work hard. And then, oh, I want to be a strength and conditioning coach at the division one level. And that didn't work out. Oh, I want to be a physical therapist because I herniated my L5S1, got herniated my disc in my back, and I was out for 10 months. And so, okay, I want to help people do that. I wasn't a failure for anything that I didn't do. It's just my purpose and passion changed, which means that my work ethic was still there, but it's like you can still change what that is. And I think that's okay because I had the mindset of you go to school, you go to college, you get your degree, you get a job, you start a family. But life is not like that at all. I've pivoted so many times and pivoting doesn't mean that you're failing. I think that's so important what you said about getting comfortable with starting over, pivoting over and over and realizing that your mistakes or your trials are not your faults as a human, but rather they are just natural parts of life to get redirected, to start over. Would you say that with the path that you're on right now, what is your personal mission and how does that inform what you do? So my mission right now is just to use my journey and to share my journey with others and challenge the status quo, especially with what I'm doing. And that it doesn't matter who you are or where you came from or what your personality type is or what you look like. With the certain puzzle pieces, you can still get to where you want to be. And being in a very male-dominated industry, I'm kind of creating my own room. Showing that at the end of the day, like you really can do anything. Everything happens for a reason with patience and that consistent work ethic and surrounding yourself with like-minded people, even sometimes doing less, getting rid of, quieting the things that aren't working in your life. And just at the end of the day, showing that like I struggled with depression, I've struggled with an eating disorder, I was suicidal at times, that like I can still become a happy person and I can change and I can be like that role model, whether it's because I'm a performance trainer or not, you can do anything. I'm just using strength conditioning and performance training and content creation as my platform. That is such an amazing and important message to be sharing, especially in the space that you're sharing it. You said 
the places that you primarily are coaching right now are high school, college. And I would say that a lot of high school and college students, athletes probably do struggle with a lot of self-image, confidence, worth issues. And they are in high school where they are around their peers. They're kind of becoming more self-conscious. They're likely being judged on not only their grades, but what colleges are you applying to? What sports teams are you looking into? Did you get recruited for a college team? You're getting rated not only by your grades, but also on your performance on the field. You're probably not sleeping much too. It's Mm -hmm. a lot to navigate during that time in your life. And I think it's so often underspoken too of how pivotal those times really are. And so you're speaking about all these things at such a pivotal time in people's lives. I'm kind of curious to understand what are you trying to teach or how do you teach in that space? And what is the message that you're communicating to high school and college students that you wish someone communicated to you at the time? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is two things come to mind. So one is that I was very, for me, I was very self-centered in in the way that I viewed myself. And I've learned this over time. And this is what, by working on myself and discovering things about myself, I can now teach that. Self-centered doesn't just mean that you think highly of yourself or like it's reserved for the people that are super cocky and things like that. It's actually, if you're even thinking about yourself in a bad way. Um, it was almost like self-loathing. So even if I'm thinking that I'm not good enough, I'm not worth it, like people don't like me, people get into that mindset a lot. And I don't think we often admit it. We're like comfortable in this space of negativity sometimes because we're afraid of X, Y, and Z where there's fear in there. So it's like, we're going to stay in our comfortable space. And that's where like addiction can come from and, and things like that. I didn't work on the, I just... I tried to fix the effect instead of the cause. So it's like, I changed the effect, but I didn't change the actual cause. So that's definitely the message that I'm trying to get across. And then the other one is I just listened to a podcast where this quote came from, but it says, you cannot think your way into right acting. You have to add your way into right thinking. I have thought and thought, wrestled with my brain. I wrestled with it every single day, but I can think about it all I want and I'm still going to feel the same way. I have to act on it. So little example we talked about again off air like how do I motivate myself to work out well it's like who do I want to be and what do I want to be known for and how do I want to perceive myself what do I want to be like and it's like okay I want to be in shape I want to be fit I want to be happy with my body I want to love me and my body image well thinking about it isn't going to do anything I need to go for a run or I need to go work out or I need to join a gym where I can work out with the community like whatever works for you I have to act on it. And same thing, like I can think about how I want to improve my self-worth and how I want to be a happier person and not be so negative all the time or complain all the time. Well, me sitting and complaining about it or me thinking about it isn't doing anything. So maybe I need to listen to a podcast. Maybe I need to be on a podcast. Like this helps me a lot. Maybe I need to journal. Maybe I need to meditate. There's no one right answer. It's finding what works for you. But at the end of the day, I think you just have to be in the service of not being so obsessed with self and just be in service of others. By being in service of others, you still have to take care of yourself but in a positive way. Everything you said there about being in service and taking care of yourself so that you are fit to serve, right? If you're serving from a place of not being whole, worthy, and feeling complete, it's almost to some degree, you might be looking for validation from that service. Oh, Mm -hmm. I help other people to feel good enough about myself. 
right. instead of taking care of yourself and then going, yep. I'm serving from the goodness of my heart. I'm not looking for anything from this. I'm serving to serve. And so no taking care of yourself so that you can serve from that whole yes. place. I'm curious, you spoke a lot about limiting belief systems and body image, things that you faced. Where do you think we pick up these limiting belief systems around our body image and our confidence? I think it's just we're in a constant game of comparison, constantly comparing ourselves to the next person, whether it's now through social media or whether it's through our friendships at school, whether it's through whatever, wherever we get it from, maybe even our parents, siblings, friendships that we have, sports teams, whatever you're a part of. We're just constantly comparing ourselves. I don't think we're also having authentic conversations. And that's where like social media comes in. We can see something and and see, oh, this person must be doing great. We're operating or reviewing that these certain metrics means that we're happy. So if we're making this amount of money, oh, we must be really happy. If we have 100K followers, like I must be really happy. Or if I have these materialistic things, then I'm happy. And unfortunately for me, it just with my experience, it, it doesn't matter. I'm about to hit 100K and it's not going to change anything. I'm proud of that, but it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change the way that I view myself. It's not going to change my self-worth and my self-esteem. It has to come from something else. It has to come from inside. It can't come from external validation. We're living in a world of like external validation and comparison. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that if you think about the purpose of social media, it was to connect you with your friends and family. And the purpose of it is completely misaligned with fundamentally how we measure, quote unquote, success in social media, which is mm -hmm. likes, followers. I don't know anyone that really has 15, 1.5K, 90, but 100K close friends and family. The entire purpose of social media is not aligned with the metrics by which you measure it by. Maybe if we realign social media or give it a new purpose, then maybe fair. But I think that Again, if you go into it with, oh, this is my source of connection, you're inherently going to not be happy because it's not, it's just not measured in the same yeah. way with the purpose. Going back to the limiting belief systems, how do you think that this really limits us as human beings, active humans, athletes, when we pick up these belief systems and we get into this comparison game, how does that then limit us in our lives and then in the fitness space? Yeah, it limits our perception of how we see the world. So how we see certain things is how we're going to see the world. So if I constantly see something in a negative light or I'm not good enough light or whatever light that is, that's not positive or optimistic or from a patient perspective, my view of the world is going to also be negative. And that's where I fall into a lot. And that's where I've been working on is like my perception of the world is is not good. It's self-centered. I'm. It's all about me when it, it's not about me. And my girlfriend's the complete opposite. And she's taught me that she finds the happiness in little things. It sounds so simple, but it is a very difficult process in changing our perspective and how we view things. So coming from a light, like you said, coming from a light of gratitude, I'm grateful for this, this, and this. Even from the fitness standpoint of I showed up today, like sometimes that's going to be enough. We talked about how we used to work out for two hours at a time, five, six days a week. But now I have to find happiness. And, oh, I went for a 15 minute run, run to walk today. I didn't even run for 15 minutes. Like I was out for 15 minutes and I ran walk and you no, know, I'm happy with that because I did something. 
And whether that's trying to lose weight, gain weight, like whatever your goal is, having the perspective of gratitude towards the little things, the small wins, small celebrations, and continuing to have discipline or tools that you have in order to continue to go and not getting wrapped up in comparison, not being patient enough and things like that. Mm. I read this book recently, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he said this quote that every single action that you take that is in service of a habit that you want to build, it's a vote towards the identity and the person that you want to become, which is amazing. And I have some other thoughts. Like I think he gets a little too absolute of you cannot have any skip days and things like that. And we're human. Like we're going to not always be perfect. And there has to be love in that too what you were saying with, at least I showed up today, no matter what that looks like, I showed up. And I view that in a similar way for him in his quote is that every single time you show up, you're putting in a vote to the person that you want to become and to the person you believe you are. Because if you're waiting towards the next big thing to say, yes, I am this person, you are living a whole lot of your life just kind of waiting for the person that you're going to become or waiting for the next big thing. Instead, you could find so much joy and magic in those little votes every single day. You're like, yep, this is a vote towards that person. Yep, this is a vote towards me, who I am, who I want to be. And I think there's so much power in that. And I, yeah, I love, agree. That, love that that's what you're starting to do because you're starting to go against the limiting belief systems, go against the comparison game and building your authentic definition of what does showing up for myself look like every single day for athletes and people struggling with assigning their worthiness to their body image or their weight or maybe even their stats things like that do you have any words of wisdom or advice that you'd like to share ways that you've started to detach your image from your weight your stats and things like that yeah I mean, obviously it came with like as much time as you put into the gym and into your goals, it has to be the same for yourself. So I've gone sometimes less on professional development and more on personal. I still have a mix of both, but I always say do the hardest thing first. And usually the hardest thing first is working on yourself. And that can, like I said, it doesn't have to be what we're, what we're told. Like even if it's just walking for 15 minutes outside, getting some sunlight, talking to a good friend journaling, listening to a podcast. Like for me, that's definitely been a key focus. And I think it has to be a key focus because at the end of the day, when it comes to being the best at your sport and achieving goals, it's you have to be available and it's not just available physically. It's also mentally and the mental availability affects physical availability to affects the physical performance. So it's understanding that we constantly have to be on a on a journey of just self-growth and self-discovery and a, in a growth mindset, I guess people want the tools and, you know, what works for me may not work for you. But for me, it's staying healthy, working out and other things outside of what I normally do to shake things up. So that's something that I do. I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm on a run or when I'm working out. That helps me. So it feels like I'm working out and I'm listening to something that I like. Yeah, just also keeping up with friends, having nurturing relationships. I think that's important. So yeah, those are just some little things. But I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm still working on it. There's still a lot of things that I'm trying to get better at because I definitely fall into getting very obsessive about internal vision about one thing and definitely have tried to work on getting out of that negative mindset all the time because I want to achieve these high goals. But if I don't do it now, it's not going to change when I do have that. And that's what I'm also realizing too. 
That's so awesome that you're willing to acknowledge it because I think drawing awareness to it and acknowledging it and owning it is the first step in any process. And it's a huge step to take. I do not want to underscore the bravery that it takes to bring awareness to that in yourself and then own it, not only in front of me, but also on a podcast. So you're like, hey, I'm still working on it. I have great days. I show up for myself. I have a successful business. I've built my brand, yet I'm still working on my self-worth and my happiness. And that is so amazing to be able to own up to it and be that honest. And I think even in that, there is so much to learn from and so much to respect about your ability to do that. And so just my own applause to you and a lot for me to, to learn from of how well you own it, because you're like, this doesn't make me any more or less credible. This actually makes me more credible because I'm showing up exactly as myself and nothing less. Yeah. That's yeah. just the first part though. Like I can own it all I want, but I, I've had to take action. I can't just say it and then not do anything and go back. And that's where I, again, I've fallen into. It's also like forgiving myself. I live in the past a lot sometimes too. It's forgiving myself and knowing that like everything that I went through, I have to forgive myself and I have to let it go. So in order to let go, I feel like you have to forgive. I kind of am now having to go back and uncover the pain, unpackage the pain, learning from it, and then viewing it as it's all part of my journey. Yeah. I don't know what your beliefs are or listeners' beliefs are, but there is a school of thought that you created these issues for yourself. You literally plan them out for yourself to then work through them. So you created these problems to yourself for yourself because you're going to learn through them. I know I totally like crisscross <laughs> through that. But if you think about maybe coming into this earth with a purpose, with a plan, you're going to create exact challenges that you are equipped to face because you know that when you jump over them or when you navigate through those challenges, you're going to come out on the other side with more learnings and growth and spiritual depth or so much soul depth because you created a challenge for yourself. And then you were able to move through it and you're never given a challenge you can't face. And so you right. have these things that you're working through to then become a more actualized or more whole version of yourself. So going into a little bit about building your brand, I'd love to know what yep. that looked like for you. So how has building your brand and pursuing your purpose looked like over the past eight to 10 years? Yeah, I mean, it has really been what I feel like sometimes I'm not young and then sometimes I feel like I'm very young so I guess it has been since I since I graduated high school which I guess was I'm 26 18 I guess a year so it has been an eight to ten year journey I've had my business for three a little bit more than three April 1st of 2020 is when I officially started my business opened up my gym all that but what I tell people is there's a five-year journey behind that people like they see where I am now, but they don't understand. Yeah, I'm 26, but I started this when I was 18. So I went to University of Delaware. I was going to major in athletic training. I was going to be the one running out on the field. But when someone got hurt, I wanted to work in professional sports. And again, life, life happens. I didn't end up enjoying it and I transferred. So I made the decision to transfer and just start working. From there, I dove into coaching CrossFit and that was the world that I got into. And at first I was the shyest person ever. I couldn't even like go up to people and ask them how they're doing. Hey, how are you? What's going on? Or 
my boss used to make me go up and say, not only how are you doing, but when they answered, because usually everyone's like, good, fine, okay, all that. And it's like, why? So he made me like ask why or on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling? And I just couldn't do any of that because I was so just paralyzed, honestly, because of my social anxiety, because of me conditioning myself that I'm not good enough. Like there's probably all these reasons why, but yeah. So I couldn't talk to anyone. And I kind of had to throw myself in the fire. I had people that threw me into the fire and just start doing it. But now it's not a problem at all. So that was 1920. And then I was also working a front desk at the YMCA, mopping floors, cleaning equipment. I was like at the bottom of what I was doing. Never thought I wanted to own my own gym. Never thought I wanted to own my own business. So I was going to school. I wasn't a believer in school. I just thought of it as a means to an end. I'm not a huge school person. So I did still get my degree, but then I herniated my L5S1. That time, that was my rock bottom for me. I couldn't work out. I couldn't do anything. And so instead of sitting and dwelling about it, I was like, okay, I'm going to use this time to figure out what's next. Clearly, CrossFit at the time, or whether it's basketball or whatever you're training for, competing for, it's going to end at some point. And so mine ended at, I guess I was 21 at the time, and I got into high school coaching. I started coaching at my local high school. I wanted to be the person that I needed for my high school. And I was still coaching CrossFit, and I was shadowing physical therapy because maybe I thought I wanted to get into this and had some opportunities to get internships at the collegiate level didn't end up working out because they have rules that if you're associated with a recruit, you can't work there. You can't volunteer there. And that didn't end up happening either because I was associated with a recruit getting recruited by there. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to open up my own business. And so I literally started at rock bottom. And from that five-year journey, continuing to push through, continuing to just act in service, do what I need to do. I was able to start my business in 2020. This three-year period has probably been the hardest three years of my life. And I thought it was when I'd herded my L5S loan. And I thought it was when I didn't get a D1 college scholarship. But like this three years has been incredibly challenging. A wild ride, ups and downs for sure. Wow. I love what you said about people see the success now, but they don't realize not only has it been the time that your business has started, but it's probably a five-year journey prior to So we often just see, especially social media shows you the success. It doesn't show you what was layered beneath that, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the highs, the lows. And you spoke a lot about how while that phase of your life is challenging, this is the most challenging phase yet. What is it like owning your own business and what are the challenges that you face? Yeah. So it was just important for me. I like to explain where the beginning was before I even get to what it was like even opening up my business, what decided that. So I know that was a long ramp, but it definitely was important for me to show that at least create some sort of picture. So in 2020, I opened up the gym. Not only did I open up the gym, but I opened it up literally right before COVID. April 1st was when I was supposed to go into my 800 square foot space warehouse and create my gym. And I had ordered all the equipment about a week before COVID. So COVID hit, everything shut down again, had to pivot, but I was used to that because before I even decided to open up my own business, I didn't mention I was training the high schoolers that I was coaching. So I wasn't getting paid. I was volunteer assistant coach, still putting in all the work as if, as if I were paid, but then I was like, Hey, come work out with me. Hey, come work out with me for free. We work out outside. I would sneak into the high school gym. I would use my boss's gym. 
if you didn't know, but like, that's what I would do. And so I pivoted pretty easily. People think it was very impressive, but for me, I was just like, this is just, is what it is. It's what I'm normally used to. Yeah. So in 2020, had to move into my parents' garage and I just worked people out there for months and it was a really happy time. I really enjoyed that whole time looking back at it now. Like I wanted to go back into my gym, but it was like, it was fun. I, I enjoyed, it. I got to get up and get dressed and walk right outside. And that's where everyone was. And it was just a cool environment working out in a garage. Like it was a great couple months because COVID was hard for a lot of people. But for me, it definitely gave me that unrealistic expectation of how my business was going to go because no one had anything to do. Practice was shut down. Parents had time to drive. So kids were just coming and I was doing really well for myself. So I was like, man, this is awesome. I love it. But once things started to get back, it was, oh, we got practice. We can't come. They got this, this and this. No one knew how to handle it because we had been in this period of not doing anything. I was the first one to go for a lot of people. So business wise, I definitely struggled even even myself worse because again, I have my entire life been attaching myself to things. So I attached it to basketball. I attached it to CrossFit. Now I attached it to my gym. So if my business wasn't doing well, I wasn't doing well. And I still struggle with that. And so that's something, again, I'm, I'm still working on. But at that period of my life in 2020, it was, it was pretty bad, 2020, 2021. And then not only that, but I ran into where all the clients that I had about 15 to 20, they all left all of a sudden like this to go to another gym. I had opened up this gym because of these kids that I really wanted to impact that went to my school. I'm going to help these kids because I'm in the exact same position. I went to that high school. I didn't get what I needed. I'm going to come in and whatever it was and help them. For circumstances that were out of my control, they all left and I had to restart. So now only did I have a lot of bills to pay and now a business to run. I had to kind of start over again in the fact of that. So that was through 2021, 2022. And I don't think I was in the right location either. It was very hard to get athletes. Not only am I in a male dominated industry, but I'm a woman and I'm a gay female too. It's been hard. Sometimes in male dominated industries as women, we have to work 10 times as hard and it takes 10 times as long to get what our male counterpart has. If I were a guy and I did basketball performance training, I think it would have been a lot. Everyone has their challenges, but like it could have been a lot smoother of a ride. And so that has been a wild journey. And then figuring out where am I going to go next? Or what am I going to do? Like, do I want to still do this? Having to work so much because your success of your business is who comes in and who pays you. My clients aren't handed to me. I have to go get clients. During that time when all those kids left, I had to DM people. I was like begging people to come in. It was definitely out of my comfort zone, but I had to message 100 people, get maybe 10 people to respond. Maybe no one comes in. Maybe one person comes in. I had launched my app a couple years ago and no one bought it. And so you can kind of see like how maybe I fell into a really big depression, my new rock bottom and having to navigate that. But that's a little glimpse of kind of how it was building my brand and now I'm at a point where I don't have my own gym, but I am leasing out a space right now closer to the city. So in a better location, more convenient. And I'm navigating those challenges as well, not having my own facility and still having to prove people navigating even social media, the hate that I get on social media and things like that. But now I'm at a point where I have trained NBA athletes. I have trained WNBA athletes. I have been connected to people that have 
helped me continue to grow and to stay the course and to keep me focused. I try to surround myself with people like that. And now I, I have, instead of more females, I now actually have more guys. I just, today, I just had a group of four athletes for like a semi-private, but they're all high school males. And it's just like really cool how I've been able to grow that. Like now I train guys more so than females. Not that I care either way, but like I went in and we talked about earlier, like my purpose, I wanted to help females. My purpose has changed and now it's everyone. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) No, no. I mean, it, it gives such a real picture of the grit that it takes. And also you mentioned being an introvert. So I'm sure DMing all those people, fighting for yourself and your vision was probably immensely challenging, but it also shows how important to you that vision is because of how far outside your comfort zone it was. So huge round of applause. It's lonely. And that's another thing. It's lonely. Yes, I had my parents. I had my brothers. I had my girlfriend. I had some people to talk to, but like entrepreneurship is lonely. And I don't think I was ready for that because I'd always been a part of a team, a basketball team, coaching, CrossFit coaching. And and then this time I was out on my own and I'm still out on my own. It's just me. I have some mentors and some business people that I talk to and things like that and friends that are in the industry, but like, it's still me. I got to make my money. I got to pay my bills. No one's going to do it for me. And I don't think I was ready for that, but I don't think anyone's ready for anything sometimes. You just got to throw yourself into it. But yeah, I would say in terms of the challenges, I think a lot of the times it was, I got in my own way in terms of even patience, expressing gratitude, and then also understanding like it's going to be incredibly hard. It's going to be incredibly lonely. Some days I don't even know what I'm doing. And that's what social media doesn't show. Like social media just shows, oh, I have 100K. Yeah, I just launched an app this NBA athlete came in or like I'm training these people, but like on the inside, it's like, I feel sometimes different things. So many different avenues. I would love to talk about your relationship with social media. What are your thoughts on it? I know we've touched a little bit or we've hinted at it of what it shows is not the reality, but what are your thoughts on social media and what's your relationship with it? Honestly, like asked me last week and I hated it. Asked me today. It's, it's fine. Like it's helping me ask me another day when I get an opportunity. It's the best thing ever. So my relationship does change. And I think that also is something again, that I'm working on is it, I shouldn't view it, whether things are going good or bad. It should just be, it is what it is type thing. I mean, I told you earlier, if I didn't have to have social media, I definitely would not be on it as much. But I feel like because of what I'm navigating in terms of I'm trying to challenge the status quo, I have a vision. I feel like social media can help me. I wouldn't be here without social media, not because of just having it, but because of the things that I've done with social media, like DMing people, posting content literally every day for four years. When I first had social media, it was just my high school friends following me. And then in this past year, I guess I've blown up. I've gained more of a social media following, but people don't see it again that I've been posting every day for four years. I've been getting hate comments, usually at least a couple of times a week on my videos, whether it's about who I am as a person or whether it's about what I'm doing. So it has helped me get clients. It has helped people see what I do. And I can train males, I can train females, I can train MBA. There is that certain validity of it. So if people see that you're training these people, more people are willing to buy into it. People aren't going to know me unless I show who I am. 
And so I do think my relationship with social media needs to be focused on that. And I run into the problem of obsessively checking it. Did someone DM me? Did someone like or comment? Did someone buy my program? I definitely fall into that a lot. And so sometimes I do have to take social media breaks where it's like, don't go on social media, get back to you, have a different perspective of it. But what I had been falling into was deleting social media for a couple of days, but not doing anything, not taking any action. So, you know, I use it for, like I said, I, I post content every day. I try to post and ghost, play the game of following the algorithm of gotta answer a couple comments, gotta play that game. But yeah, I feel like there's good things, but it's also, I think it exposes things that like, oh, wow, yeah, I need to work on that. So if I'm getting frustrated by something like that, or I'm getting stabbed by a negative comment, well, it's not social media. It's something that I need to work on myself. So I've been trying to take more accountability on that. If I'm upset about something or upset about seeing something, one, you know, you can mute people. You don't have to follow them. Or, okay, well, maybe I need to work on X, Y, and Z with myself first. So then now I have a different perspective about it when I see the same thing. Yeah. Post and ghost. I'm struggling <laughs> with this too on my Instagram on filtered Sasha's where I post a lot of my thoughts and it's where I got started and it's what inspired me to start a podcast but I really struggle between taking space for myself and to really be present in my life but then also posting every day and then storying and sharing these thoughts yeah where's the balance sometimes these thoughts are just my own and they don't necessarily need to be publicized but at the same time people start to develop a relationship with or an expectation for your content. And we so often forget that there's a person behind that content that is living their lives and that is sharing content, hopefully in service, hopefully for a good reason. And then yes, they're building your brand. Yes, you are trying to gain a following, spread your message, but it's a very, very tricky balance, right? How do you make it healthy, sustainable? And again, if things are coming up that are triggering you, like that person is spending their time on hate comments. I hate to see what their head or where, where their mind is at, right. you know, because why are you spending your time on that? But if something triggers you, it's an opportunity to reflect what inside me just got activated. I love to say, mm -hmm. trust your triggers to teach, right? Yeah. What inside of me is being activated by what this person said. And it's such an opportunity to like dive in and find a wound and then excavate it and feel your feels and then yeah. pack it up yeah. and go, okay, cool. That gave me an opportunity to really unpack that in a way that if this person hadn't chosen to spend their time leaving a lovely comment, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do. So yeah, yeah. And so that. that's where it it has provided a lot of opportunities. I am grateful for social media, but it's a grind. Like it really is. It, it can be super exhausting to have to do this every day, but trying to go in also with no expectations about it. Like, and then also understanding I'm stubborn and me thinking, oh, well, if I just had 25K followers, I'd be fine. Like I'd be happy. Well, again, I'm almost at 100K and it's, it's not changing the things that I need to work on on the outside. It's not going to magically fix anything. Nothing magically is going to pop up. It's definitely understanding that there's no easy fix. There's no quick fix. It's not like Amazon where things are just delivered in a day or two days. It's definitely, you know, ups and downs for sure. Yeah. Your happiness is not an Amazon package. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like I said, I, it is good. It's helped. It's a tool and you have the opportunity to decide your relationship to it, right? We can assign a negative connotation to it or a positive one to it, but really that negative or positive connotation comes from your relationship with the thing. 
you can see money is the root of all good or money is the root of all evil. It's how you use the tool that matters, not the tool itself. Yes, there are people behind Instagram that are making it maybe like addictive or creating the algorithm, but ultimately in the way that we relate to it, it is a tool and is our decision whether to use it for good or whether to let it become something that we get controlled by or sucked into. We talked a lot about your journey with building your brand, with your gym, how opening your own gym and COVID was incredibly successful, but then took some turns from a business standpoint and you're now leasing out of space. So can you tell us about building back up and how you got to this place where you are now? Was it the people around you, your community? Was it your own work ethic? What started to move the needle and help you rebuild? Yeah, both. At the end of the day, like no one can save you but you. Even if you do feel rock bottom, there has to be this like little hope that gets you going. And then the people that have been in my life, my parents, my brothers, my girlfriend, the people that I've met along the way when you're at your worst, but you maintain this gratitude and happiness, good things start to happen. And so I have met certain people that have elevated me or helped validate me or people that I can talk to. It's hard because as an entrepreneur, you bring everything home with you. It's not like you just go to your nine to five and then you don't have to bring that home. I'm bringing it home to my relationship, home to my friendships. And when you're constantly ambitious and you're constantly wanting to achieve new goals, there can be this, these times and these thoughts within your head of just constant, like not satisfied at all. So it affects everything. And so Having those people in my life, people that I can talk to from all different industries, partnered with my athlete and business partner. His name is Rodney Pryor. He has a company called Identity Made, and we're creating things together. So it's nice. I don't have to be super alone anymore. He's someone that I can talk to from a business side, from a mentorship side, from a friend side. He's like my brother now. And it was crazy because he's an NBA athlete, which is nuts, but we're all just human beings. So it's been crazy to see that. And I met him because of my good friend named Chris. And he came in and he introduced me to Rodney. Chris has his own connections. Rodney has his connections. I have my own connections. And so we're all just helping each other out. And I think that has helped a lot, realizing like I can't do this alone. As much as I want to do it alone, there are things that have happened in my life because of other people. I would not be here if it weren't for those people, if it weren't for my girlfriend. She has seen, she has seen it all, but those are, those are the reasons why I'm here. So I have to definitely give that appreciation and that credit to those people because I definitely wouldn't be here without their support. Mm, yeah, that is so beautiful. And I love how much you keep coming back to the people around you as your community and as your stronghold and as part of the contributors both to your mindset and your ability to pursue your purpose. I know my partner has seen me through some shit. So I am so <laughs> grateful for him every single day. You gotta have you gotta have people. You can't do this alone. And then you gotta show that appreciation, show that gratitude even when your head's like spinning and things like that. So yeah. It's so easy to get caught up right going, 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 you wake up, you do your thing, you go to the gym, you go to work, you go to yoga or whatever it is. I'm just recounting my schedule here, but you're, it's so easy to wake up and do all the things and then send a couple of rapid fire texts when you're running from one place to the other. But those are the people that really have your back. 
how can you be more intentional and purposeful and treat your relationships with and your connections with those people with as much purpose and value as you do the items on your schedule or the things on your to-do list? Those people matter just as much, if not 10 times more than the stuff that you have carved out. So how can you prioritize them? Because they're who are going to be there for you at the end of the day. And so important to come back to that. And I love how you're speaking to that as they are yeah. your people, you're raw. The perspective that I take, whether it's a sad thing to think about, but it helps me like if these people were not in my life, nothing would matter. Genuinely, nothing would matter. If I made a million dollars, but my mom and dad weren't here, if I didn't have my girlfriend in my life, none of my business success is going to matter. And so I've taken that perspective. I get to have this person because this person brings me happiness or I get to have this situation because this situation creates happiness outside of that. And so sometimes taking that perspective, like really meditating on the fact that if this person weren't here, none of this, it wouldn't matter. And so that's something that's helped me be able to express gratitude, even though that's not anything that we want to think about, but it helps me really focus in on and that will then allow me to express more appreciation for life so important and i think it's often overlooked we especially if someone's been in our lives for a little while we often think oh i know them i don't need to prioritize this relationship they're just here i have them but you're like no you should put in as much effort and intentionality give them the space to change to grow for you to put in effort because this person isn't just here and taking someone for granted is the worst thing you could do both for them and then also for yourself because you're potentially alienating or losing your connection with someone who matters more than all the other stuff you got going on. In the spirit of the dialogue around community, during our intro call, you mentioned one of the questions that you ask yourself is how much can I give? which to me really spoke to a service mindset, a willingness and a desire to give back. So I'm curious how you embody this service mindset and how you channel and embody that in your career. Yeah, I have a motto. Again, I didn't come up with it, but it's give, 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 ask for nothing in return. Give to other people, be in service of others, but go in without any expectation. People will ask for things expecting something. That's where the frustration comes. That's where the impatience come from. So it's being constantly giving. If I give 51% more than I take, then I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. So whether you look at that as in a day, I gave more in a day. I gave more on this podcast. If I gave more in a year, however you want to look at it, it's like I, I've left what I want to leave. And I think when you give, it does create that happiness. So when I help someone achieve their ability to get a college scholarship, when I help them improve their vertical jump, whatever makes them happy. And that's where the conversations with my athletes come in, like what does make them happy? It's going to change person to person. But if I can help them, hey, what makes you happy? What do you want to achieve? How can I help them get there? And then seeing them happy, I don't take any of the credit for it. I was able to help them and that gives me the satisfaction. I'm not asking for anything in return other than obviously, you know, their hard work and to show up. And when you take with or when you ask with expectation, it's, it's not unconditional. You're wanting something for yourself. Like we talked about before, it's getting away from self, being selfless. Yeah. In terms of the giving mindset, I teach yoga because it makes me really happy to 
facilitate a space or create a container in which someone might have an opportunity to connect with their body. And someone asked me at some point, they're like, so is it gratifying for you or for the other people that you create space for them? Is Shouldn't it be gratifying to them and that's what should make you happy about it? And I thought about this because I was like, okay, interesting. Yeah. Am I looking for validation that they felt it was a good class? And I thought about it and sat with it. I'm like, no, I actually really enjoy that I have an opportunity to create space for them. What they want to do with that space is their own, their own validation, their own internal universe, whether they want to connect or not, what they want to do at that time. I'm grateful that I can create the space, but that's where I stop and the other person and their experience begins having that delineation of it's not all about you, right? Everybody's universe is just as vivid and experience as our own. And while you can give and be of service to others, you have to be doing it from a place of not expecting anything back, right? Like we keep talking about, because then you're putting a conditionality on the way in which you serve, which I think is usually not really fulfilling, especially if you don't get a certain result, quote unquote, back, because then you weren't really giving from an authentic place in the first place if you're looking for something back from it and then maybe you don't get it and then it doesn't feel good in your body and you're like, well, why did I help if I didn't get something back? And that's just not the point. Yeah, (laughs) and that takes time. Like it's the patience part of it. I get up and I do the same thing every day. I get up, I drink my coffee, I go to work, I train athletes, come home, whatever I have to do for that day, go back to the gym. And so sometimes... You fall into that pattern of, oh, well, why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening? Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? In a way, you do have to, as much as you're giving to other people, you do have to give to yourself to why are you showing up every day? It, it can't always be for other external things. It has to be for like you. Yeah, showing up for you, regardless of what's going on externally. You mentioned routine and you mentioned showing up for yourself. Have you found it to be sustainable? Do you ever get bored of the routine or is boredom part of what you need to be successful? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely experience boredom for sure because I'm just a highly ambitious person and there's certain things that I want to do in my life. Like I said, waking up, going to the gym, coming home, going to the gym. It's the same thing every day. And so, yeah, sometimes I do go crazy. It's definitely very difficult. It's hard to keep that routine and having those self-limiting thoughts in your head or the negative thoughts in your head or the voices. And so then it's learning to, you know, calm those down and having other things outside of my job is really important. And that's something that I've been working on is what else can I pull from? I have my well of my job that creates a lot of happiness and all that. I have the well of my relationship, but it's like, I got to have something else. So finding ways to have fun and do something outside of it, whether it's watching a good show, whether it's reading a good book, whether it's going out with your friends, whatever it is, having those other things can actually keep you going. Again, I I keep bringing up this book, but Atomic Habits by James Clear, there's a quote that the greatest challenge to success is not failure, but it's boredom. And that hits that hits because like you said, it takes something else to keep getting to the gym every single day, get your reps in. And I love that you talked about inviting in fun and play. I think as adults, especially entrepreneurs, maybe you are for the first time really managing your own life, your own finances, or you've been doing it for like three to four or five, six years, whatever it is, which, you know, in the grand context of things, yes, you're like, okay, I'm 26, 27, 30, like I've been doing this for X amount of time. But if you think about it, still more of your life was spent not worrying about those things. 
depends on the time frame, the way you look at it, but we treat ourselves and our lives so seriously. So how can you take yeah. the fun and the play back into it and be like, things are not that serious. I can go and change up my routine. I can build a relationship with myself by feeling into what's true for me today. Like for example, I take a yoga class every single Saturday in Williamsburg at 10 a.m. And today I was like, I don't know. I think I want to go to a different yoga class and I want to see a teacher that I'm close to. And I feel like this is the practice that I need and letting myself go, okay, let's just cancel the Williamsburg class and go here and not being like, well, you go every Saturday and like, you need to do this. Oh my gosh. Don't you feel bad about like canceling right minute? Why am I forcing myself? Because I know that if I had dragged myself there, there's also a part of me that would have been like, dang, you really just dragged yourself here when you know you didn't want to go. And so right, right. finding fun play and responsiveness to how you're feeling, not only yeah. thinking about, I don't want to go, but acting on it. Like you said, switching gears a little bit here, I would love to talk about the value of coaching for next level growth. I think that fitness can be a really great vehicle for growing and learning and understanding yourself and building your relationship with yourself. But in terms of athletes looking for next level growth, athletes looking for mentorship, are performance trainers accessible? And what value do they bring to athletes? You can't do anything alone. Whatever industry that you're in, or if you're in high school, or whether you're an athlete, whatever you want to get into, I do believe that you have to have other people along for the ride. For me, as a performance coach, on my side, as athletes, the best ability is availability. So if I'm more available to play, feel how I should feel, perform at my best, then I'm going to have more opportunity to get more playing time, to play in more tournaments, to get the exposure that I need to for a high school athlete, get recruited, because that's the end goal. It's to get recruited and play in college. But if I'm constantly hurt, if I'm not feeling my best, if mentally, physically, I'm not going to perform at my best either, which means I have less opportunity. And when you're looking at the higher level, when now money's involved at the college level now and at the pro level, if you're not available, you're recyclable. At the high school level and even at the middle school level, there really isn't that understanding because there's just no conversations about it. So for me, I'm definitely trying to bridge that gap and explain to my high school athlete, to my middle school athlete, why this is important now. You can't just play. You can't just do skills training. Like you have to take care of your body. You have to do some form of recovery. You have to do personal development because now you're navigating the mental side, the business side of college and pro level and things like that. And then you also have to make sure that you're available and physically ready to play. And then the physical components of the actual game, are you prepared to handle the impacts? Because that's where injuries occur. If I don't have the ability to handle the demands of the game, I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to be on the bench. Again, less opportunity to play, less opportunity to grow, less opportunity to get exposed. Athleticism and performance can improve. So there's all these checklists that you need as, a, as an athlete. And it doesn't just come from skill because as you go up from elementary all the way up to the pro level and in within those levels in between, like, it's not about who can dribble the ball and shoot well. It's not just about that anymore. It's are you available? Do you look the part? Can you physically handle anyone on the court? Can you guard someone that's way taller, bigger, and older than you? Everyone can do the skill part, but I feel like the big separator on my end is the performance, the strength. You just really highlighted the importance of mentorship. You can get the skills. But if you don't know the rules of the game, 
of the other things that come into play, navigating the business side, navigating recruiting, navigating all these other things, like you said, looking the part and understanding what they're looking for. If you don't have someone mentoring you through that, it's going to be really hard to be successful no matter what your work ethic. And then oftentimes you might burn yourself out because you're working so hard. Yes. You don't understand what they're looking for. So it sounds like mentorship, someone to pass on knowledge like yourself is an incredibly important component in the fitness industry, in the basketball industry. Yeah. That is where my role comes in. People think it's just skill. Like I just need to get better at skills training, but there's actually tactical things physically in the weight room that we can fix in order to help. And then, like I said, I didn't have anyone to mentor me on. It's not just about playing basketball anymore. That's just the world that we live in. Cause now you're, again, you're dealing with the business side. You're dealing with, oh, well, this teammate has, you know, more NIL deals than me. This person's playing more than me. You're coming from where you played. You were the best player. Now you're going into an environment where everyone's good. So my job is to educate on that just because of the people that I've talked to, the experience that I've had, other people's experience, I can now educate that. And then at the end of the day, making sure that they stay available, they're healthy, and that I've done my job in terms of getting them physically prepared and ready to go. We are valued in the problems that we solve. My problem is athletes are getting injured, so I'm the number one person to help them not get hurt. Then it's the physical therapist if they get hurt. So I, I would say I have a pretty important job, but I think not a lot of the athletes and even parents and people are really educated on how important our role is. It's not all about just getting big and strong. There's a lot of details of it. Wow. It seems like you've really alchemized your learnings from your experience into a way to be of service. And like you said, you're paid for the problems that you solve. And this was such a huge contributor to your development, your journey, the things that informed your self-worth at the time and the things that you've learned and grown past or in continuing to learn from are now the things that you can serve and support with. And I think that is so inspiring. Oftentimes the biggest challenges that we overcome and work through are the biggest ways that we can give back. And so that is amazing to see. I would love to know what is one thing that you wish you could tell your past self? Oh man, so many things. You can't fake your way into right acting. You got to act your way into right thinking. So I just wish I learned how to love myself, I guess, a little bit earlier. <laughs> man, I don't think I've loved myself fully for a very long time. I don't know if I really ever did. I would have saved myself a couple of years, less crying and less frustration and less negativity and clouds in my head. So yeah, I would say just learning how to love yourself through the form of taking positive action or surrounding yourself with people and understanding that being different is is okay and that being unrelatable is a gift and seeing it more in a positive light. Because like I said, I get in my way a lot. I really want to narrow in. You said not viewing being unrelatable as a bad thing. Could you touch on mm -hmm. that? Yeah, definitely. So all my life, I've always felt different, even in the form of my sexuality, my work ethic, and how I maybe had an older brain or that I didn't want to go out and party. I didn't want to do the traditional things. I didn't look forward to Fridays for the weekend. It had never been me. I, I struggled with depression and social anxiety, like being in public and being at things that I didn't feel comfortable with. I, it didn't feel right. Like it just never did. So that's what I mean by unrelatable and just having this incredible drive to 
pursue my vision, the unrelatability as a positive thing. If you really hone in on it, like just double down on your strengths. Mm. Thank you for explaining. That is a really cool way to look at it and a cool way to just feel maybe a little less alone for anyone that feels like everybody around them, their peers, people they look up to, their colleagues are doing something completely different with their lives. Know that that's okay. Your life does not have to look like anyone else's and that your uniqueness is your superpower. You do not have to do anything that anyone else is doing and that unrelatability could actually be your strength. So I love that twist on it. One of the last few questions I'd love to ask you here is what are you looking forward to this next year? And I'm looking forward to finding my happiness again and taking action on it. Like I said, I've spent years in this self-centered mindset of thinking that I'm not worth anything, even with the success of my job and my brand, being present and not always looking for the next thing. That's definitely been something that I'm looking forward to in this next year is taking a different approach because my approach has always been, oh, business goals. I want to be able to do this and this and this. And oh, I want to achieve this. I want to make this amount of money. I want to do this. But it clearly has not been working because I still struggle with finding happiness. So by this next year, I'm expressing more gratitude. I'm not complaining as much. I'm not as negative. I'm more optimistic. And I believe that that is the way to achieve then success in my business. Because if I'm a better person, I am dare performing. So I got to be the best that I can be, but it has to come within myself. So I've said no a lot more. I've been saying no. I've been doing things that are best for me. And that has come with, again, an eight-year grind of saying yes all the time. And so that's what I'm looking forward to. And, you know, I wish I would have done that earlier for sure. Thank you so much for sharing. And it definitely hits home, right? Happiness is within your reach. You just have to take the first steps and and start to realize that it's yours to access now through small, actionable changes that feel authentic and true to you. And those are huge steps to take. So it's really cool to see and get to hear firsthand how you are thinking about this next part of your journey. My Last question for you today, or second to last, I should say, is what makes you human to the fullest? That I'm unrelatable and that I've made a ton of mistakes being imperfect and that's okay. Like you can make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to quote unquote fail however you choose to view it. You're going to go through things in your life that maybe you didn't think of, but as long as you continue to work on yourself and have that growth mindset and learn from it and become stronger because of it and and view it that way. I think that that's what, you know, makes us all, all human. We're all going to go through, it's just a crazy wild ride of ups and downs. But as long as you're continuing to become a better person from that last year or the last five years, then you've become the best that you can. You've succeeded. Awesome. I love that. Again, your mistakes are not your faults as a human. They are just stops along your journey. Thank you for sharing that. And where can listeners find you? Where can they connect with you? Do you have any offerings you would like to share? Yeah, so you can find me at Coach Jair Performance. People think that's my name, but it's actually Jess. But I'm on pretty much every platform, just trying to spread my knowledge everywhere. But I'm on TikTok, mostly on Instagram. I guess, starting YouTube and things like that. So at Coach 
JR Performance. I did just come out with an app that has online programs for basketball athletes that are specific because that's just the vision that I decided to go with is with basketball, but planning to hopefully come out with some sort of mentorship piece to it, consulting, things like that for general population and coaches and trainers that want to get better. I'm definitely an open book. I really do try to answer all my messages that I get because I know what it's like to reach out to someone and not get a response. So if you have any questions on building a business, the main piece of it is for me that it's less about these are the top 10 things to be successful. I think it's all kind of circling back, building your brand and building your business is just, it's a, it's a lifelong journey of self-discovery and self-growth. And that's kind of what I want to get across. Like you can do this, whatever you're doing, you can do this a thousand different ways and it really doesn't matter how you do it. I think it's about, you got to work on you at the end of the day. Hmm. Thank you. And any final thoughts beyond what you just shared that you'd love to leave everyone with? No, I just appreciate you having me on and giving people a platform to listen and giving me a platform to talk. These are the authentic conversations I feel like no one's having or just not as apparent. And these are the conversations that definitely need to be had less about reviewing things about the world and more about life and our struggles and all that. So I just really appreciate you creating this and you allowing me to speak and ramble and and talk about my journey and learn from you as well. And I'm willing to help in any way for sure. Well, thank you so, so much for your honesty, for sharing all of this amazing inspirational knowledge about what it's like, the resilience needed to build your brand, the gears behind the curtain, what really goes on and how even when you reach the external measures of success, there is still the work to be done on your own happiness and your own mindset. And that starts with you. So Jess, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and to everyone listening. Thank you so much for your time and your energy. I can't wait to speak to you very soon. Appreciate you. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that this conversation reinforced that no external validation or metrics can ever be the key to your happiness. You hold the keys to your own transformation, your own expansion, and focusing on yourself is an amazing place to start so that you can then give your medicine and be of service to those around you. I think Jess had an amazing, honest lens to share. And if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to me at Unfiltered Sosh. Otherwise, I'm so excited to see you back here very soon. Thank you.